We didn't have church last week uh, because of the Christmas holiday. So it's been a couple weeks since we've been in Mark. And last time we were in Mark, we just did verses 14 and 15. But it was an important two verses there because it set the tone for what it means, those words there. And I encourage you, if you weren't with us, go back and listen to that because we put an emphasis on those words, the idea of what the gospel is, what it means to repent, what it means to believe. We throw these words out, but do we really understand what it means to have the gospel to repent and believe? So it's important to understand that. So we only did two verses a couple weeks ago. Don't worry, we're going to pick up the pace tonight. We're going to do five verses tonight. Verse 16, please. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and also were also in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. You see the calling of the disciples going on here. Now... I absolutely love this passage, and I'm just going to give you the main emphasis first, and we're going to come back and fill in some of the details here. Just remember these two questions as we go through this. Very simple questions. What is Jesus asking you to leave behind, and whom is Jesus asking you to leave behind? Look at this. When he calls these guys, what does he do right here in verse 18? They left their nets and followed him. Left their nets and followed him. Then jump ahead to verse 20. Who do they leave behind? They left their father behind. When you want to grow and go deeper in the Lord, there's going to be times where there's things that you need to leave behind, and there's times of people that you have to leave behind. This is just a fact of Christianity, is you can't get saved and then continue to live the exact same life that you were living before. If that happened, what did Jesus save you from? Now, be careful with this. I'm going to stress this point right from the beginning so that way there's no confusion. I am a firm believer that everything was taken care of through Christ on the cross. That's why he said it is finished at the end. I'm a firm believer of Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is a gift of God. It is not of yourself so that no one can boast. There is nothing I can do to save myself in any way whatsoever. I don't believe there's anything I can do. What I do believe, though, is this. When I do get saved... That my life changes. I do believe when I get saved that you will be able to see a difference in how I live and how I speak and how I talk and how I act. If there is no change, what exactly did Jesus Christ save me from? I believe Jesus talks about this himself. He talks about in Matthew chapter 7 that you will know them by their fruits. That there's fruit that happens after we get saved. So what I'm using here tonight is this idea of leaving nets and leaving people in 18 and 20 because you are called to follow Jesus Christ. If you are here tonight and you are confessing Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saying that you are born again Christian, that means that the Lord is asking you to let go of things in your past. He's asking you to let go of your nets. He's asking you to let go of people and move forward in Him. Move forward in Him. Now we're going to get to that and we're going to build this point little bit of background on this. This is what I love about Wednesday nights. We can build on this a little bit. Jesus is starting to call some disciples here a little bit. Note that he's calling brothers. Did you catch that there in 16? You got Simon and Andrew who are brothers. Then you got James and John who are brothers. I love the little details that happen in the scriptures. And it really just makes things alive and active. So now when you start thinking about the 12 disciples following Jesus, you see brother relationships right there. Now, any of you that grew up with a brother, you understand the uniqueness sometimes of brother relationships. Here's Simon. Here's Andrew, brothers. Here's James. Here's John, who are brothers. 
I find this really fascinating, kind of put this all together a little bit. I also find it interesting here that they're at the Sea of Galilee. I like it when I can envision things. The Sea of Galilee is north of Jerusalem. The Sea of Galilee is a decent-sized body of water. It's a fresh body of water. It's about 13 miles by about 7 miles. Okay, This is where they did their fishing. As you know, there's another sea called the Dead Sea. Guess what? You can't fish in the Dead Sea. It's dead. So this is why this is a harbor here of a lot of fishing that goes on. The Jordan River flows out of the south of this, flows down into the Dead Sea. And you see Jesus here in this Galilean ministry spending a lot of time circling this place. Because this was a hub of activity. Some of the towns like Capernaum were located on this sea. So you see this sea here and Jesus making this circle and teaching and preaching and healing and doing things. And as he's doing this, he's calling these disciples. Now, if you're just reading the book of Mark, you kind of look at verse 16, and Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee. He sees two guys and says, hey, follow me. Verse 18, they follow him. He goes a little bit farther. He sees two guys and says, hey, follow me. And they follow him. That's kind of unique. We have a tendency as we read the gospel to lose track of time. Simon, Andrew, John, and James here, they have known Jesus for quite some time. It's not revealed to that us in the book of Mark, but if you study out the other Gospels, especially John chapter 1, they have known Jesus for some time. If you remember correctly, when we started our study in Mark, you know, weeks ago, we said that Mark is a fast-paced book. You see these words immediately all the time. Verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove them into the wilderness. And it says right here in verse 18, they immediately left their nets. 20, and immediately he called them. It's a fast-paced book. We're actually into Jesus' about second year of ministry at this time. So, Jesus has known these guys for a long time. They have heard him teach. If you go out and study in John chapter 1, some of these guys were followers of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist has been showing them who Jesus is. So, they have heard Jesus teach. They have seen Jesus do some things. And now, after this amount of time, Jesus is saying, it's time for you to really follow me. And I believe this is important. Because there's a lot of people that have a real surface relationship with Jesus Christ, and they're really not following him. They're okay with Jesus being the biggest thing in their life. I use the 51% analogy. Jesus takes up 51% of their life. Jesus wants 100%. Or it's kind of like the TV dinner analogy. You know, Jesus gets the biggest slice of whatever. No, he's everything. And what happens is, especially in the church today, people are really content with God playing a really big role in their life. God's not asking to play a really big role in your life. He wants your complete entire life. That's why it's fascinating here when he says, follow me, and they leave their nets. When he says, follow me, and they leave their dad, it shows what Christ is really asking us to do. He is asking you to leave everything and absolutely follow him. By them leaving their nets in 18, they're leaving behind their livelihood. They're leaving behind their profession. They're leaving behind everything. Verse 20, by leaving their father, they're leaving behind safe relationships. And you can infer in verse 20, they're leaving behind a comfortable lifestyle. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants. During this time, the only people that hired servants are the people that had money. So they're leaving behind a very comfortable lifestyle to go follow this man all over the countryside. Jesus is asking us to do the same thing today. What nets do you need to leave behind? What relationships do you need to leave behind to truly follow him? Now, I have to put two clauses on this in case somebody leaves here before they hear this. There's a couple things that Jesus is not asking you to leave behind. 
Okay? One thing he's not asking you to leave behind is if you're here tonight and you're married, he's not asking you to leave your marriage behind. 1 Corinthians 7 makes that abundantly clear. Over the years that I've been doing this, I've had people contact me and say, the Lord has told me that I'm supposed to divorce my wife. And it's not for biblical reasons. And I say, no, the Lord has not told you that. Nope, this is what he wants me to do. I'll be happy or whatever. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Go read 1 Corinthians 7. Yes, there's divorce. We can talk about it on a different subject for a different teaching. But if you're just leaving to leave, no. 1 Corinthians 7 teaches against that. The other thing that you don't leave is the accountability and the fellowship of the church. According to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, God wants you to be part of the body of Christ. So therefore, there's not this idea of leaving the church. Now, that doesn't mean that this is some cultish thing out here that you can't leave Harvest Fellowship. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't infer that. I'm saying the body of Christ. I am saying that you can't go be solo island Christian by yourself. That is not a biblical mindset. It isn't. God has called you for accountability. God has called you to be part of the body of Christ. I've had people tell me, well, I am part of the body of Christ. Me and my wife and my kids at home are part of the body. No, the context of that is you are with other believers for accountability, encouragement, and discipleship, and all these things. That's the way the church is supposed to work. So those are two things that you can't say, God told me to leave. Now, but there's nets in your life you need to let go of. There's relationships in your life that you need to let go of. And to prove how big of a deal this is, I'm going to take you through just a couple quick stories here. And we're going to just go in order of the Gospels. Can you go to me with Mao to Mark chapter 10, please? Mark chapter 10. Let's look at a couple times where Jesus asked people to leave things. I think we forget how serious Christ was about this. When he asked you to follow him, he is asking for absolutely everything in your life. Mark 10, 17. Now as he, meaning Jesus, was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Now this is the story of the rich young ruler. Every time he's mentioned in the Gospels, you get a different character trait of him. So we know he's rich. We know from the book of Matthew that he's young. And we know from the book of Luke that he's an authority. He's got everything the world could ever want. He's got youth on his side. He's got wealth. And he's got power. And he's also a very moral religious person. This guy has everything. So teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Please don't ever skip over those words. Jesus, looking at him, loved him. And said to him, One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give to the poor. And you have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. We're not teaching some poverty gospel here that you have to sell everything you have to prove how much you love the Lord. That's not what we're talking about. But what we're talking about in this specific situation, this man loved his possessions so much, Jesus said, you're not able to fully follow me until you let go of that. You need to let it go. And I see out here at church, I see rich young rulers. I see guys that are young in the prime of their life. They have a good paying job. And they have physical health. They have everything. They don't really need the Lord. They haven't been put in that position yet where physically they need them. They haven't put in that position yet in life where they're really struggling with something. So when Jesus comes to this guy and says, sell everything, what does he do in 22? He's sad. 
He wants a relationship with Jesus with all of his toys. He wants the best of both worlds. Jesus in love, don't, once again, don't skip over 21. Jesus looking at him loved him. Loved him enough to say, your possessions are controlling me. You, you really don't want me. You just want me with your stuff. And it doesn't work that way. Leave all and follow me. Go with me now to Luke, please. Luke chapter 9. Jesus keeps building here about what it really means to follow him. We're, we're, we haven't even got to the tough verses yet. Luke 9, 57. In Luke 9, 57, it says this, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me go and bid them farewell where at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is what a lot of us look like. 57, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus says you will. 58, are you willing to have nothing? Are you willing to let go of your possessions? Once again, this is not a vow of poverty. I want to make sure you absolutely know that. But what this is, is dying to what the world is dangling in front of you. This does not mean I literally have to go home and live in a cardboard box. No, 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 it's not what it's saying. What it's saying is this. Do you understand in 58 the sacrifice that it takes to follow Jesus Christ sometimes? The idea that it's not about the job, it's not about the paycheck, it's not about the raise, it's not about how big of a house you have, how new of a car you drive, it's not about any of those things. It's about following the Lord. Once again in 57, you see a lot of people that says, Lord, I want to follow you, but I really want the comfortable lifestyle that goes along with the world. As we joke out here a lot, Lord, I want to be a missionary to the upper middle class. Maybe that's not where God's called you. You've got to be willing to let go of the possessions. What about the next one in 59? Jesus says, follow me. Hey, let me first go and bury my father. Look at the response of Christ in 60. Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. That sounds harsh. You've got to remember a couple of things here. First off, in the Jewish tradition, you did not embalm your dead. So therefore, if somebody died, they were buried by sundown. So if this guy, if it literally meant that his dad just died, okay, sundown's in five hours, go dig the grave, bury him, and I'll see you tomorrow morning. No, what this guy is saying is the, what I like to call the not just yet people. Jesus, I want to follow you with everything I got, but just, not just yet. Let, let me finish this up real quick first. What does that look like to finish it up? I've heard so many different ideas over the years. You know, Pastor, I'm really going to get serious serving the Lord. Let me just finish this up first. Let me get out of this season with the kids. Let me get this home remodeling project finished up. Let me get done with school. Let me get through this busy time of life. Let me do this. Okay. But here's the truth. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to say, Lord, let's go do this. Because if you're always working with the whole not just yet thing, Jesus says, no, wait a second. You need to go preach the kingdom. It's not about waiting for the perfect time for you. It's about when God calls you. And look at the last one. I will follow you, 61, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. So, Jesus, I'll follow you, but, but first, let, let me say goodbye to my old life and my old friends and everything. And this is the person that just can't really let go. 
Once again, they, they want to follow Jesus, but yet they really want to do what they want to do on Friday nights. They want to follow Jesus, but they still want to do this and that. Jesus says in 62, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So as I told you before, you know, growing up on a farm and dad had me go out and chop or work ground or anything like that. He would say, get in the tractor and he would say, pick an item in the distance, be it a tree, be it a telephone pole, whatever it is, and keep your eyes on that. Because if you constantly are looking right down in front of the tractor, you're going to get all over the place. You keep your eyes on something in the distance. And it's the same thing spiritually. If you put your hand on the plow and keep looking back, you know what happens. You're going to turn with it as you look. You've got to keep your eyes focused on Christ. So what have we learned this far? So far, he's told Simon, Andrew, James, and John, leave your nets. Leave the relationships. He told the rich young ruler, you got something holding you back from fully following me. Get rid of it all. Here in Luke chapter 9, let go of your possessions. Let go of those responsibilities that you think are important. Let go of those relationships. Let's see what he says next. Go with us now to Luke 14. Do we really understand what it means to follow Christ? Follow Christ. Luke 14. says, Now great multitudes went with him. And he turned and said to them, stop right here real quick. This is where Jesus always needs to do a better job at public relations. He has multitudes following him. And then in 26, he says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. That is not the message you give when you have a lot of people following you. That's not. But Jesus realizes what? People are just following me to follow me. Some people want to see a circus sideshow. They want to see miracles. Some people want a free meal, feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000. Some people just like the warm, fuzzy feeling of being around other people. If you look in the Bible, there's always crowds following Christ. And then once you get through the crowds, you have a lot of disciples. One time he sent out 70 disciples. Once you get through those disciples, then you got his 12 apostles. And once you get to those 12 apostles, then you also get the three, Peter, James, and John. You see Jesus saying that there's different levels to following him. And these people that are closer to him are willing to let go of more. And say, Jesus, it's all you. So look at 26. Do you hate your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters? Yes, his own life. You can't be his disciple. That's a tough passage. The love that you have for Christ is supposed to be so deep that everything else looks like hate compared to it. See, so often when we look at a relationship with Christ, we have Jesus, and then I got Dawn, and I got my boys. You know what I mean? Jesus is saying, no, you're not understanding it. You got Jesus, and then Dawn's way down there. Now, that's not harsh. Because if I love Jesus that deeply, that passionately, guess what I'm going to do to Dawn? I'm going to love her like Christ loved the church. But the problem is, if you put your spouse right up there, if you put your kids right up there, Jesus is saying, you're not understanding what it is. I love Dawn, and I make a lot of jokes, and I tease Dawn a lot. I absolutely love her, but Dawn did not die on the cross for my sins. Dawn did not empower me with the Holy Spirit. I love my boys. I love my boys. But the reality is, in just a few short years, they're going to be moving out. I need to love Jesus. And I need to love Jesus so deeply that it helps me love my children even better. It helps me love my wife even better. And I love Jesus, I hope, so deeply that it actually looks like almost hate. Now, this is a tough teaching. Because for some reason here, especially in America, we worship at the altar of family. 
We think that we're doing this great service to God by everything being focused on the family. Focus on Christ. Does that mean you don't focus on the family? No, but as you focus on Christ, your family is blessed. I know families that do everything they can to always do this and this and that. And spiritually, they're a wreck. Now, if you look at them on Facebook, they look really good. I'm telling you right now, if you really, really want to love your family deeply, fall deeply in love with Jesus. And as you fall deeply in love with him, you'll find out how great it is to lead your family then. 27, whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Wow. Okay, I mean, I can, I can get the first one, Jesus. Leave my nets. Okay, I can get the second one. Leave relationships. Okay, I can even get the rich young ruler. We get too focused on possessions. He started getting a little hard there in Luke 9, 57 through 62 about responsibilities, relationships, let the dead bury their dead. But by golly, right now in 26, hate my wife, bear the cross. If I don't, I can't be your disciple. Jesus is asking for absolutely everything. 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? Lest after he had laid the foundation is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first to consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. That's a pretty powerful verse right there. Likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. One more, and let's make some points on this. Go with me now to John 6. See, Jesus gives these really tough teachings. And the people have a hard time with it. John 6, verse 60. Therefore... Many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? They said, This, this is this is too hard. You know, Jesus, when you're the little um, soup kitchen, we like you a lot. The whole feeding of the five thousand, four thousand. Jesus, when you healed the blind man, that, that was a lot of fun. You know, we heard the stories about you calming the storm, that was great. We heard about you walking on the water, that was great. Raising the dead, that that's this is great. This whole forsake everything and follow you, that's, that's too hard. And, and the problem with that is, since it's too hard, we have a tendency to shy away from it. Because that's not how you grow a church. That's not how you get more money in the offering plate. That's not how you get building additions done. That's not how you do it. What you really should do is kind of water everything down a little bit, preach a gospel of just love, mention love a lot, mention peace a lot, mention God just has the best for you in 2019 and all this stuff. But as I keep reading through the gospels, I keep seeing Jesus say, James, if you really, really want to be happy, let go of everything. And when you let go of everything, you fully know what it means to follow me. And this started for me back in about 2014 is the Lord just really started saying, you, you got to learn to let go of things. Step out of your comfort zone. Let me have your finances. Let me have... And if you would have asked me before 2014, I, I walk in faith. I tithe. I give. Lord, it's all yours. 
And the Lord, just over the last four, now five years, he really just keeps saying, do you really understand what it means to follow? And I can only tell you this. We are so happy at home, so joyful, so blessed. God has given us more than what we could ever imagine. The more we give away, the more the Lord brings in, the more we give away just the blessings of ministry. But if you would have asked me this four or five years ago, I would have fought a tooth and nail. And there's still things I'm fighting right now. I'm not going to say I got it all figured out. There's things right now, even as I'm teaching this, the Lord is whispering in my ear, what about this? And I say, Lord, not right now. Okay, I'm teaching. You know what I mean? Not right now, Lord. It's a hard saying. Who can understand it? 61. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to him, does this offend you? How often have you complained about what God has asked you to do? You've complained about your spouse. You've complained about your kids. You've complained about your ministry. You've complained about your calling, complained about your church, your pastor. You've complained. Does this offend you? 62. What then if you should see the Son of Man descend where he was before? Jesus is saying, wait a second. I'm walking on this earth with you. And you're having a hard time seeing me in the flesh. What do you think it's going to be like in 62 when you see me in my glory? And you really understand who I am. 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. It's too hard. I mean, it's just, it's just too hard. It is hard. That's why we didn't start with John 66. We started in Mark and then we built up slowly. Because what Jesus is asking for is absolutely everything. 67. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, I mean, do you want to quit too? Peter, what else are we going to do? You're the Messiah. I mean, I think about that sometimes in my flesh. I could easily easily join a long list of quitters. Um, Moses wanted to quit. Jeremiah wanted to quit. David wanted to quit. Elijah wanted to quit. Peter wanted to quit. All these guys. Jeremiah's got the great passage in Jeremiah. He says, I'm done. I'm no longer going to speak about the Lord. It's too hard. And then the Bible says that it was so full of fire within him, he couldn't say no. Elijah reached such a point of quitting that he said, just kill me. I'd rather die. I'd rather die than be a prophet of the Lord. Everybody at one time or another is going to want to quit. But then you stop and you think about what Peter said and you stop and you say, what else am I going to do? This is, this is all I got. There's a pastor at the pastor's conference that teaches almost every year and he says this phrase. He goes, I only got one string on my guitar. That's the only string I can play and that is Jesus Christ. So I, I quit. And I do what I want, how I want, when I want, and all this other type of stuff. Come on, I've read the book of Ecclesiastes. There's no joy in that. The greatest joy I'm going to have in this world is by truly following Jesus Christ and giving up everything. And as you give it up, you realize you're really not giving up anything. You're really just saying, Lord, you've already given me everything. And Lord, I just want to serve you. Go back with me now to Mark chapter 1, please. So what does this look like? Is this just a sometime tonight you just stop and say, okay, Lord, it's all yours. It's a process. Let's take a look at the wording of Christ. 
Go back to Mark 1, 17. Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. It's a process. I will make you become. But it starts with a step of faith. It starts with a step of letting go. And as you in faith let go of first off your nets, and then you let go of those relationships, then you start seeing it happen. And then you start letting go of your possessions, like hopefully the rich young ruler was supposed to. Then you start letting go of these responsibilities where you say, not yet, Lord, I can't yet, I have to do this. Then you start letting go of relationships. And then you start realizing what it means to love Jesus so much that everything else looks like hate. And then you start realizing what it means to take up your cross and follow him. And then you start saying, yeah, this is hard. But this is, this is all I got. And this is where I'm going to be blessed. But I will make you become fishers of men. And please remember, this wasn't the first time they met Jesus. They had heard him before. Heard him teach before. Talked to him before. Once again, we know that from the account in John. And maybe some of you here tonight, this isn't the first time you've heard about Jesus. You've met him before. You've talked to him before. You have, you have a relationship with him. You are happily at 51%. 51%. You're really happy with Jesus just having the biggest chunk of your life. But yet, in the midst of this 51% biggest chunk, you still stop and say, something's just not right. Maybe because you're still fighting to have more. And Jesus is saying, no, give up more, let go. And as you let go, all of a sudden, it just starts to make sense. That, Lord, I let it go, and, and I die. And as I die to it, I really begin to live. And when you start to live, you start realizing, Lord, this is this blessed life that we've been talking about. The joy, the peace, the excitement. I love it. Go with me now to Galatians, please. Galatians. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. This is this point that Paul keeps making in Galatians. Galatians 2. Take a look at 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself before me. Guys, that's what it comes down to. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus is asking you to die. Die to yourself. Die to what you think is important. Die to everything that you believe that you are deserve and should have and everything. And die. And this is an ongoing theme of dying. Now jump ahead to Galatians 6, please. Galatians 6, take a look at verse 14 with me. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. And I to the world. I die, and I die to the world. And that's when you finally start having joy and peace, and you see it all coming together. So I, I'm just telling you, and I, and I don't know, and I'm not saying this in some type of judgmental have-to, because have-tos don't work. I just want to present what the Bible says here. 
if you're one of these people that's walking in this world and you just say, I want God to have the biggest part of my life, amen, that's a blessing. I'm telling you, though, there's a whole other level of letting God have absolutely every part of your life. When you die to yourself, you die to that, and you stop and you realize, okay, Lord, I get it now. I'm leaving the nets behind. I'm leaving the people behind. I'm leaving the possessions behind. I'm leaving everything behind. And I'm so focused on you that I see my calling now, and I can go out and represent you in all that I say and all that I do. Does this mean that you just live as a hermit and you never talk to anybody? Of course not. I find myself talking to more and more people. I find myself having more and more relationships because now I start looking at people from an eternal standpoint, not from just this fleshly, worldly relationship where, hey, that's my friend. That's my friend that is going to hell, and for some reason that doesn't spur me on. I was talking to a guy one time years ago, and there was this guy that him and I both knew, and my relationship with the guy kept getting more distant. And his relationship with the guy kept getting closer. And so we kept saying, you know, this, I said, this guy's not saved. And he was spending more and more time with him. I said, doesn't this concern you? And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And so he went and did something with this guy and literally spent all day with him. All day with him. Took a couple hours to get there. Took a couple hours to get back and literally spent the whole day with him. And the whole time I'm just, just, just praying. You know, this is a great opportunity to really be a light and witness to this guy, et cetera, et cetera. So I, he comes back, and I say, how did it go with him? He goes, oh, it went good. Oh, it went good. We had a lot of fun. We did this. We did that. Okay. Hey, so any chance to share? Goes, um, no. Nothing came up. And I'm thinking here, and you can sit here and say, James, you're being too legalistic. I don't think I'm being legalistic. You spent the whole day with the guy. He's going to hell. And we just want to talk about how great of a fun time it was when I'm stopping thinking maybe we need to look eternally at this person. Yes, go spend the day with them. Go represent the Lord to them. But at least can't there be a prayer before you go, before you eat something to represent Jesus Christ? And I'm just telling you, I think what happens is we get so focused on us in this world that we forget the eternity that we're living in. You don't force it. You don't push it. But yet it becomes such a part of your life that it's just there. And I just want to encourage you. Do exactly what we said here tonight. Leave all. Follow him and just see what happens. It's going to be hard. That's why it says in John 6, this is a hard saying. It is. Pray for me as I pray for you. And let's go out there and do this. No longer letting God have 51%. No longer letting him have the biggest part of our life. Let's give him everything and just see what happens. Because this is to me what the gospel is teaching us. To follow him. And as you do it, oh man, the joy and peace. So if you're sitting here tonight and you're saying, this is too hard, I can't. Yeah, you can. It's not going to happen overnight. That's why I will make you become fishers of men. It's a process. But you have to be willing to let go and walk in faith and see what happens. See what the Lord does. You're going to be blessed. There's no doubt about it. All right, any final questions about anything here before we close up? We got five verses done tonight. So I think we're picking up the pace here a little bit here in the book of Mark. We're still on track by 2040 to get done with the book of Mark. So... All right, no one's got any questions here. Hey, why don't you guys stand? Let's pray. Lord, this, this is a hard saying. There's no doubt about it. This is, this is hard. We can mark it. We can underline it. We can talk about it. But we want to live it. So, Lord, help us to live it. And if there's something in somebody's life here tonight that, that you're just really speaking to them, it's, it's time to let it go.
Reveal what that net is. Reveal what that relationship is. And as Paul said in in Philippians, he's left all behind and just left it all for Christ. And Lord, as we leave things behind, reveal to us what that looks like. The ministry, the calling, the sacrifice of it. And Lord, what what a strange word to use, sacrifice. What are we sacrificing? You died on the cross. You sacrificed. We get to live it. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and we just love you. And Lord, help us to become fishers of men. In this long process, help us to be more like you. We thank you, Lord, in your name. Amen. All right, you guys have a good week, and God bless.